So now that you're so married, that when you're are you guys going to have kids? Gonna have, kids? have you thought about adoption? Why don't you have a glass of wine to relax you? Oh, man, that's that. How about you thought about a sperm donor? You have plenty of time to get pregnant. There's no rush. Relax, you'll get pregnant in no time. Have you tried eating more protein? We're going on a date. Free your mind while healthy. It's all part of God's plan. You're crazy. My husband always do. My husband has the worst things that can happen, right? You guys don't have kids yet? Have you shown the way to do it? Is there worse things that can happen? Who's fault is it? Yours? The clock's ticking. So yeah, that was basically the sound of our heads exploding. Because, I mean, what exactly are you supposed to say to a couple who's going through infertility, right? Right. Like, it's such an unknown to so many people. They think they're trying to be supportive. And, you know, 99% of those things you just heard, you should never say. But at the same time, like, we just kind of want to touch on the fact that it's okay to not know what to say to somebody. Right, absolutely. And I think in our experience, the most helpful things, at least for me, uh, were when people just kind of ask like, hey, how are you doing? Is there any way that I can help? And I think, you know, just those simple questions really uh, make a big difference, I think, you know? Sure. I had a really amazing experience over this past Mother's Day where someone who knew that we were going through this process sent me an amazing gift. And it was just her acknowledging me and acknowledging our situation. And it was beyond amazing. And just little things like that, I think, make the world a difference. Those times are hard. And even for the guys on Father's Day, like those are really rough times. Just reaching out, recognizing those things, even though they're not a mother father yet, it'll go a long way just to know that you're thinking about them that way. You know, when you do try to give advice or try to talk to a couple going through infertility, just be mindful on what you say because you're not seeing it through their eyes. So something you might think is helpful is not the right thing to say. So Absolutely. And two, you know, our couples that are going through this process, I know sometimes you hear some comments or people say some things to you and you literally just want to slap them in the face because I've been there and we've been there. But I think, you know, you really just got to have patience and, you know, hopefully you have an opportunity to educate them and, and speak to them about this. But yeah, it's tough. But anyways, just wanted to kind of touch on that before we kind of continued on our journey. Last episode, uh, you were telling us about a friend you had at work. Yep. So I have a friend at work. She essentially was going through something similar and has always been super open and vocal about her experience. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to this friend and I'm going to ask her about it. And she was more than willing to sit down with me. And I think one day she came into my office and we had a full-blown conversation about, you know, her experience and the things that were, um, you know, causing them to be infertile. And she actually gave us the name of her doctor here in Southern California. And so Russell and I decided to reach out to this uh, fertility center and get the ball rolling. Yes. So I, it was at the beginning of 2019, right around January. So it was like, okay, new year. And I remember I was definitely a little more hesitant than you were. But at the same time, seeing you and, you know, wanting to make sure that we're moving forward with this and doing everything we can, like it, it took me a little while to come around. But once you made that call and we made the appointment, I felt a lot better about it. Right. I remember us not quite being on the same page there, but we're going to need a little bit of help along this process, you know, because it's just admitting that and that's tough for sure. So that was in like January and I remember we had to wait until the second or third week of April yep. or something. So yep. 
again, we talked about how much waiting is involved. <laughs> like we had to wait four months just to go in for a consultation. Right. And people could say, well, why didn't you look at other doctors? Why didn't, and the thing was, is you knew this doctor from your friend. Correct. And did our research and everyone spoke very highly of her. And it was just one of those things where we want to feel comfortable with this next step. So we, you know, we really wanted to go to this doctor and it was worth waiting four months Absolutely. for us. Absolutely. Yes. So we continued to, to keep trying. And honestly, secretly, I was pretty confident in myself that I was going to make it happen before <laughs> then. And I failed hard. It was okay. It was okay. It's but okay. we finally come to the moment where we meet Dr. Eileen Hatch, right. our infertility doctor, who is amazing. And yeah. why don't you go into just our first experience when we first met with her? You know, when people say like, this person is meant to be doing this job or meant to be doing the thing that they're doing in life, that couldn't be more true for Dr. Hat. She is beyond incredible and so loving and so welcoming and so reassuring. And honestly, she's doing exactly what she should be doing in this lifetime. Just stepping foot into her office, her energy, her vibes. I'm big when it comes to first impressions and just <laughs> how you feel like when you're around someone new. And like, I just felt I was talking to my mom or your mom, <laughs> right. you know what very I mean? Like so, she was yeah. just very warm. It was just such a great conversation. And honestly, any reluctancy that I had instantly shifted after talking to her right. and it was awesome meeting her. Yeah. And I think that that's a good point is when you are looking for, you know, a fertility specialist, you really do want to have that connection because it is such an intimate process and you want to feel like this person has your best interest and like has your back and is on your team. So yeah, take advantage of those consultations. And if it's not a good vibe, then that's okay. Keep looking because it really does make a difference. It's true. And we luckily just hit it off the bat right, with her. Right. And our mindset going in was we were thinking we're going to go in and we're going to do IVF. And after her looking over all my sperm analysis <laughs> reports, my urology stuff, all the stuff, she sat with us and kind of gave us some hope that there's a chance with our numbers that we might actually have success by doing an IUI. Uh-huh. I'm going to let you explain exactly what an IUI is. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So IUI is an inner uterine insemination, I think. Yeah. That sounds about that right. Inner uterine it, it makes, part makes sense. might be slightly off, but essentially that's what it is. And so basically the doctor, you know, will time your ovulation with the process of inserting sperm into your vagina. How did Dr. Hatch explain it? Because when she explained it to us, it made a lot more sense. She basically, she's taking the package and delivering it to the front door. The package being the sperm. <laughs> Almost. You almost had it. Oh. So essentially what she's doing, instead of delivering the package at the front door, like when you have normal intercourse, that's essentially delivering the package at the front door. She's delivering the package at the bedroom door. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I butchered that. Exactly. So yeah, so that's what an IUI is. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of explained to us that that could potentially work and that she has had success with other couples that had similar numbers to us. So she thought that going the IUI route A is significantly cheaper than IVF and definitely uh, worth a shot. And I think just not as hard on the body and sure. mind. Or on us. Or on us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I kind of felt like in that moment too, I was I was kind of like, oh, okay. I didn't know the success rates, which I know that she had then explained to us they weren't as good as IVF. And I kind of remember being like, okay, I thought in my head that IVF was like a for sure thing, a for sure way to get a baby. So I was a little disappointed. I was like, dang it. Like I really wanted to start that process. But at the same time, if this is going to be a little bit easier on us and 
than me, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, specifically, of course. um, I'm okay with that. She wouldn't have suggested it if she didn't think that it could potentially be something that could work. And so I appreciated that she didn't just automatically jump to IVF and that she wanted to be a little on the um, conservative side. Yeah. Then there was just the waiting again. again. (laughs) The waiting began because of course (laughs) it's all based on your ovulation and all that stuff. So Right. Just once a month. Which like, we're probably going to say this a whole bunch during this podcast, but I can't stress enough just how much a man and a woman conceiving a child, how much of a miracle that is. The timing is just unbelievable. It literally has to be perfect. So yeah, before we get into our IUI experience, we should probably talk about the news that we got, right? Yep. And uh, for everyone listening, this is stuff that anyone going through infertility, you're going to deal with. And for some reason, it seems to happen more frequently (laughs) when you're going through infertility. But for us, this was when we found out that my brother and fiance were having their second child. And man, it's, it's one of those things that like, fuck. It stinks so bad. And on one hand, we're so excited for them. But on the other hand, it's just like, oh, it hurts. And it, you know, it has nothing to do with them. It's not their fault by any means. Like it's just one of those things. And it sucks, you know, because you have these feelings of just like, why isn't this happening for us? You're jealous. You know, there's so many emotions around finding out that someone close to you is having a, a, a is pregnant when, you know, you can't. Yeah. And like you said, it's rough because you just, you battle with those feelings. It's like, you're sad, you're mad. But then at the same time, like, I'm stoked because I'm going to be an uncle again. It was such a battling feeling. And then at the same time too, like I know my brother, he knew what we were going through. They knew what we're going through. And I'm sure it was hard for them to tell me, you know, and that just kind of adds a little more because it's just, yeah, it, uh, it, it's, it does it's a weird rough. thing. Yeah, I get it. It's like you feel so guilty for feeling these feelings. I know at least I do. Like I feel so guilty for being angry that someone is, you know, having this incredible experience and, and, and you know, having just like this miracle, I guess, you know, and yeah. and to your point, like then I feel like pissed that people feel bad for talking to us or hesitant to tell us because, you know, they're worried for how we're feeling or they're worried that we might be upset. And that freaking sucks too. Like there's just a lot of little pieces that just kind of contribute to your feelings. And so if you're in this situation or if you've dealt with this situation too, like we, we definitely see you and we hear you and it's hard. I want my friends to be happy. I want my family to be happy. I, you know, it's not like I'm like, oh, I don't want them to have kids. Or, <laughs> right. It's not, it's nothing it's not like, like that, that yeah. at all. It's just this inner battle. And it just, of course, it happens now. So, yeah. you know, so after the first few days, it was rough, you know, right. and again, we were super happy. But then after that, there's a little shift of just like, all right, well, damn, we're, I'm going to be an uncle again. You're going to be an aunt again. And in one sense, just kind of like put some fuel under the fire. Just right. be like, you know what? Let's make this happen too. So you can go through your pregnancy at the same time as them. And oh, and we'll both have kids at the same time. And there'll be two cousins that are around the same age. Like, so anyone listening to this that is going through this and experiences a friend or family that gets pregnant, it's okay to be pissed. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to feel all those feelings. And honestly, anyone listening where you're in a position where you have a kid and someone you know is going through infertility, 
I understand you wanting to be thoughtful of their feelings and that, but like at the same time, just tell them because they don't want to feel like they're broken in any way. Right, right. Yeah. And that's a great point. Like when people hesitated to tell us that they might be pregnant, I felt kind of like, oh, you know, it's because we're broken that they don't want to tell us these things, you know, and just be patient with yourself, you know, keep that in mind as these things kind of come up. Yeah. So here we are, we're about June of 2019. And you had, you know, the couple of doctor's appointments, the the ultrasounds, just kind of seeing how the follicles were looking, how your eggs were looking, how all that was going. And we basically had the time window. So before you even kind of go in, you know, to have like an IUI or anything like that, they have to monitor your follicles and to see how many are in your ovaries and to make sure that there is essentially one that's getting bigger, that's maturing. And so you go in and you literally lay down on this table. You have this plasticky, papery sheet thing covering, you know, your lap. You put your legs in stirrups and she essentially puts this wand looking thing up there to monitor your ovaries. And so that was really interesting. I had never had that happen to me before. And so it's really crazy seeing all the follicles growing in your ovaries, which is mind blowing to me that they're even able to know that those are follicles because it looks like a a honeycomb. Yeah. Like when she would be like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. I'm looking at the screen and I'm just like, wow, like what? what? It literally looks like- How do they know? Yeah. It looks like a blob in a bigger blob. Yeah. Or remember it, it like- those Rorschach, Rorschach, Your Rorschach, Rorschach, yeah, Rorschach, yeah, Rorschach it kind of looks like that too. Yeah, it's just again such a such a crazy thing. Yeah, but so the day finally came for our right. very first IUI, and I remember exactly <laughs> it was on June tenth. 2019. And just a quick backstory, June 10th for Crystal and myself is a very important day. That was the first day we ever met, Mm -hmm. June 10th of 2010. (laughs) (laughs) 20 something. Yeah, 20 something. (laughs) And I think also like a couple years after that, June 10th is when you moved from Ventura down to to where I'm at. So so this June 10th, the fact that our first IUI is falling on June 10th was just one of those things where we it were was just, a sign. It was a sign, right? Like <laughs> we, knew we, it. we knew it. We it's, were 100% this, sure it was a sign. This is going to happen. <laughs> you know, like this is our day. It's meant to be. And I remember, so it was early in the morning and the process is you have to give your sample and then it takes about an hour to two hours for them to process it and get it prepared for the actual IUI. So I decided, yes, we'll do it in the office. Mm-hmm. And this was a new room for me. The second sex masturbation room and this this one was just as interesting it was a little smaller than the other one but basically a mirror set up there was the chair the crinkly paper there was the crt tv there was the stack of magazines but the the one the one difference no i'm gonna say the the (laughs) one difference here though is the room didn't have the best insulation and i could hear People. I could hear people. Talking. I could hear a lot of people. I could hear other women in the waiting room. I could hear their husbands. I could hear the receptionists answering phones. Well, and, and I think that's the thing is like, it was literally right by the reception desk. This might be a, a weird memory, but I feel like the chair was slightly different, but it was like one of those gamer chairs. <laughs> Did yeah. it roll? It didn't roll, oh, but okay, it was good. one of those ones where it's almost like, it looks like a car seat, an actual seat from a car. Oh, that's really like weird. Like those like gamer chairs you know yeah with like I remember like red trim or I don't know that's, that's I just remember thinking like this this is interesting oh and that one had headphones for the TV which I didn't want to touch the head yeah, yeah that, like that was kind of that was kind of right. weird but again so trying to give my sample this is like the perfect day June 10th it's our day and it took a little longer just because I had a lot of distractions mm-hmm. um, but yeah so gave 
gave a sample, which that was uh, my third time right. giving a, a sample. And I kind of wanted to just make the point too. It's really interesting, right? So like if you're going in to do a sample in this kind of a situation, you want to produce the best sample possible, right? And a lot of the time, these rooms and these situations and like the pressure of this isn't very conducive to a great sample. And I know that that was kind of weighing heavy on you sometimes. Like it's stressful. You're like, I'm in this weird room. I'm not familiar with any of this. I know people could potentially hear me. It's super awkward. And I'm trying to give the best sample possible so that this works. I mean. Yeah. And so to touch on that too, I think a big reason was that morning, we actually didn't go to that appointment knowing we were doing the IUI mm, that day. Right, right. It was just like, oh, okay, we're, we're good to go. Yeah, we can do, do it this. today. So mm-hmm. it was either I could have just done it in the office or I would have had to driven all the way home, did the sample at home, then driven it all the way back. And then it still takes an hour to process. It's yeah, it's let's knock this out of the park. And I wouldn't say I knocked it out of the park. I was a little in my head about it and it's just awkward all around. So hour goes by, we go back and they were like, we're ready for you. <laughs> they, they bring us back to a new room that we hadn't been in yet. Right. And I'm going to let you tell the story because <laughs> Because this is basically all you. You're the star of the show here. Yeah, yeah. So like again, a new room. I'm sitting on the table um, chair thing, you know, the... the With the stirrups? With the stirrups, right. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, but then I remember one of the assistants comes in and she had the tube that had our, you know, a last name on it. And in the tube was your processed, cleaned semen. Yeah. And the processing process, I guess, since again, we're not doctors, like they just essentially clean it. I think so. Yeah. Right? Like they, because they, I think that when it travels up the vagina before it gets there, I think that that maybe happens naturally, but then in this case that doesn't happen. So they have to they do have it. They have to do it. I yeah. think. And like you said, they brought in the little tube with my, my boys Yep. and they needed us to confirm like, Mr. Dixon, is this is your name? And I was like, it better damn well be my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing, you had to confirm it. So once that was done, it was either a Dr. Hatch or her physician's assistant who actually did the IUI. And so I'm laying down and she pulls out this catheter looking thing. So it's essentially like this long, clear tube. So then on one end of the tube is the sperm in kind of like a syringe Mm -hmm. looking thing. And on the other end is the end of the catheter that she actually pushes up into the vagina. And so she kind of has to work its way through (laughs) to get it into the uterus. Yeah. So I remember like looking over (laughs) at you and I think this was probably one of the first times like I kind of saw you like in some discomfort or it was a little, I could tell you were not. I mean, what, what do you expect? You got a catheter going up yeah, your hoo-hop. That, sure. like, you know, that was one of the first moments where I just was like, oh gosh, she's going through this crap yeah. and it's all my fault. Like, <laughs> So yeah, there was some like little pokes and a little feeling here and there. And it was a little, you know, uncomfortable. But I think for the most part, it was it was okay. Like I didn't yeah. have to take any kind of like pain of medication or, you know, nothing was done like that. It was just, um, you know, she's just trying to like, you know. Weave her way in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah great way to put it. Yeah. And so once she does that, (laughs) she would, in a normal uh, circumstance, I guess, just push the sperm in. So the sperm would then travel through that tube and end up in the uterus close to the egg or kind of at the end of its journey to where it would find the egg. It would exit the freeway after it was in the carpool lane. Yeah. But I remember her... In the moment, I just thought it was like the funniest thing. Um, And I will never forget your face. But she turns to Russell and she goes, would you like to push it in? 
And I remember your face just being like, excuse me, what? I, well, because at first I wasn't sure if she was joking. I, I feel like too. people would joke like that with me to try to make me feel not so uncomfortable. But no, she was serious. And, you know, it, like you said, in the moment, I kind of got taken back a little bit and I was, it made me laugh. But, you know, when you think about it, so many men that struggle to get their wives pregnant. And if it's, it's on the men, like that's a big moment for someone mm-hmm. because yeah, like you're doing an IUI and you're, you're doing this procedure, but it still gives the guy an opportunity to be the one to, to kind of do that. Right. I really kind of appreciated yeah. it after thinking about it and I did it. And I remember just like me being me, I was like, oh God, I'm going to hit this thing and it's going to like explode <laughs> and we're going to have to come back and the next month or something. Yeah. But no, I just put yeah. the syringe in like nothing. And I remember her just saying, all right, well, hopefully you're pregnant, Crystal. And it was just an overwhelming feeling, yeah. you know? And as you're laying on the table, she says, I'm going to let, you know, we're going to let gravity do its thing. And so there's like this lever that she pulls and it propped my hips up. So I was laying at this like diagonal. Um, so my hips are above my head and that essentially was gravity doing its thing, I guess, in an effort for <laughs> to help the sperm, you know, go the right way, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense when you yeah. when you break it down like that. Yeah. And I had to wait 10 minutes, I think was yeah, 10 minutes. We, we kind of had to sit and wait and let it kind of you know, like I said, do its thing. And then we were able to um, get up and leave and essentially go about our business. Yeah. I think we both went back to work and I just remember yeah. like the day felt long for me, but for you, I'm sure it mm-hmm. was, it was a big moment. So yeah. So we waited two weeks. Two weeks. At that two week time frame, I had to go in and get some blood work done. Yeah. And I remember when we went in, we both kind of just thought like, oh man, we're going in. We're going to find we, out. We're going to find out like right then, right <laughs> yeah. there. So like, yeah. we, you know, we woke up early, we're ready to go, we're pumped. And then we literally go in, take your blood and they're like, all right, Dr. Hatch will call you later tonight. And we're like, oh. We're like, dang it. We're so close. Because yeah, we, we had already like in our minds, yeah. just we thought for some reason, which now looking back on it, it's like, how the heck are they supposed to tell us totally. from the blood right away? But anyways, right. yeah. So you got a call, I believe later from Dr. Hatch, right? Right. So she called me back that same day. And that's one thing I have to say that I just really love about Dr. Hatch is that she doesn't send you an email um, with your results. She doesn't have somebody from the office call. She literally calls every single one of her patients that she has going through an IUI or IVF. And she delivers like the news, good, bad, or ugly. And Honestly, it's it's been amazing and I just love that she takes the time to do that. So uh, yeah, so she called me the same day in the evening and she had bad news for us. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, and I could hear it in her voice and, you know, she was like, I'm sorry, like it didn't work. And I just remember feeling shitty. <laughs> yeah. It turned out that June 10th wasn't our day after yeah. all. Yeah. Just hearing it in your voice, like that's yeah, shitty. It really is. I think the hard part too is you go from having like so much hope and then so quickly it turns into frustration and sadness when it doesn't turn out how you hoped. And yeah, and that can be hard to deal with because it is such highs and lows so quickly. We don't know how to compare it to anything else. Like that was just- Right, that was like our first real like- you know, attempt at something. The first time a doctor's involved, you know, so that was a really shitty day to say the least. And it was really hard seeing you upset. Obviously I was upset, but like, that was just one thing you just had to put your body through. And that was a hard thing to see you go through that. You know, we were both upset, but 
So after that, we decided to regroup with Dr. Hatch and just kind of talk about next steps. And we decided we were just going to get right back on the horse the following month and jump straight into a second IUI. But first, we needed you to have a test done. Right. Uh, Dr. Hatch recommended that we or that I do an HSG test. Which I think stands for hysterosalpingogram. <laughs> Does that sound right? I don't think that's right. <laughs> I th- it sounds right to me, but I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So what was that again? So we had to go in. Um, it was like an outpatient, small little procedure. And the doctor basically shot dye through my fallopian tubes, as well as kind of the uterine cavity, uh, just to make sure everything looked good and that my fallopian tubes were clear um, and there wasn't anything obstructing the egg or the the follicle from being able to travel down the fallopian tube. And so we found out, I guess, that it can also kind of clean out your fallopian tubes if there is potentially anything going on there. That's right. Because I remember <laughs> her saying a lot of times people get that test done and sometimes they get pregnant naturally because there was some blockage or something that was causing them not to be able to totally, get pregnant. Totally. So, yeah, so yeah, in yeah. my head, I was like, oh, maybe right. another chance for us to make it happen naturally. But Right. And I know happen. we were kind of excited too, because if we were going to do another IUI and then I had this procedure, if it, you know, anything was kind of weird, it would clear it out. But man, it hurt. It hurt bad. Yeah. I remember them saying like, oh, it's only going to be like a two day recovery time and you'll be able to go back into work. But I remember it was like a good week before you felt better. Yeah. I think that as a doctor's putting the dye uh, through your tubes and everything, I just remember it caused a lot of cramping in the moment. It was pretty painful. I was like surprised. I wasn't expecting it to be that painful. I think that as the dye kind of stays in your system, it causes some cramping. So that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. That was, I just remember that sucked. And I'm sorry, again, you had to go, you had to go <laughs> no, through that. No, no. So the results came back and Dr. Hatch was very happy with them. Right. You looked fantastic. Right. Yeah. She was really happy with the results and said that, you know, I had some pretty good fallopian tubes and that we were uh, looking good on on my end. And uh, I was secret. This is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if this comes off mean, but there was a part of me that was like, well, maybe it's not all me. Maybe her tubes would be blocked a little bit or something. And no, it, it's definitely still all me. <laughs> so got those results back. Everything was looking good. We're ready to do the second IUI. Yep. And with this second IUI, the goal here was we wanted to increase our odds, give ourselves the best chance of it working. So with the second one, she wanted us to do two IUIs, two days in a row. Right. And she also recommended that we do a trigger shot, which is something that we didn't do in the first IUI. So she thought it would be best, to your point, to give us the best odds to do a trigger shot and then to sandwich that trigger shot in between two IUIs. I think the trigger shot basically helps the doctor know a better time window of when you will ovulate. And then, you know, we wanted to get sperm ahead of it and then sperm after it. So that was kind of the plan. And that's kind of what we did. I remember the trigger shot being a little intimidating because, yeah. uh, you know, it's a little bit of a, a longer needle and uh, it's in the back. Your back butt. My back butt. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> I, I don't really know what that is, but that's It's like that's kind exactly of like your back, but also kind of your butt. Like yeah, your back your butt. butt. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, so that's where it's at. It's intimidating, but ultimately it was pretty painless. It yeah. was just kind of, you know, yeah. scary. And but. the nice part about doing the trigger shot was we knew, okay, we're going to be coming in the following day to do the IUI. So right. that meant I could go home, give my sample at the house. It was a lot less, less intimidating mm-hmm. than doing it in, in the office. So two days in a row, we mm-hmm. did the IUI. Same thing I, I injected or not injected, but I shot the sperm in with mm-hmm. the syringe and another two week waiting game. 
you know, any other two weeks flies by, but these two weeks are just like the longest dragging on. And, you know, again, we got our family rooting for us. We got our friends rooting for us, you know, like everyone in our life that we've talked to about it, like they're pulling for us. And I remember feeling really good because, you know, we upped the odds, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, but again, it's just the IUI odds are definitely a lot lower, a lot lower. Mm-hmm. So th- there's still, you know, that little side of things. So yeah, two weeks goes by and I believe I was with you this time right. when Dr. Hatch called and it was bad news again. Right. It didn't work and we were pretty devastated. I felt like at the time that, you know, we did everything possible. And I think Dr. Hatch felt the same. We did everything we could to get the best chance and it just wasn't in the cards again. So yeah, that was crappy. It was hard on us. Um, I will say though, like I'm so proud of the both of us. Like Mm -hmm. we, we were a really good support system for each other. And I felt like the way we communicated, you know, there was no what the heck? Your sperm's not working. Like there was none of that. It was just open communication. And we just were like, we're going to keep doing whatever we right. got to do. Like we, we want this. And it's not your fault. No. And again, like, I don't know if I a hundred percent remember like where my mind was at this point, but I do think that after the second field IUI, I, uh, so, like something, um, it's okay. Like I wanted I, oh, fuck. It's okay. Something just like, just clicked in my head that was like, I, I want to be a dad so bad. Right. That was the point we were like, all right, we're determined to do this. You're going to be an amazing dad. I'm hopefully going to be an amazing mom, like game on motherfuckers. Game on motherfuckers <laughs> is right. And um, I think, yeah, like, so after the second one, like we had a meeting set with Dr. Hatching right. and to regroup. And both of us were like, all right, well, we're going to be entering IVF territory. Like this is what we're going to do. But again, you know, after kind of talking with Dr. Hatch and just looking at our scenario, our situation, everything, like she still felt there was still hope to avoid having to go down the financial burden of IVF, the mental, physical, everything you would have to do to your body. Mm -hmm. It it was worth doing a third try. Right. Because I think after that third time doing IUI, your odds go down pretty significantly. So she was really uh, pushing for us to try one more IUI. Yeah. So this time, given all the emotions that we had gone through with the first two IUIs, we decided we were going to take a break. We gave your body, I think probably like a two month break Mm -hmm. just to kind of regroup. Mm -hmm. You had some stuff going on with work. Right. Had some travel. and yeah, Yeah. So it was just one of those things. It was like, let's just come at this with a clean slate. And we actually went on a family trip to Big Bear. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. It was a great getaway. But of course, on our way up to Big Bear was when I got a call from my mom saying that my brother and his fiance were having their baby that weekend. Right. And this was just another one of those moments where I was so excited because I was going to be an uncle again. And I just broke down because I was one, just thinking like, oh man, I'm in Big Bear there in Mm -hmm. San Diego. I might not be able to be there for when the baby's born. But at the same time, it's like, where are we with everything? Mm -hmm. Like I was hoping we were going to be pregnant before they had their child and it sucked really Mm -hmm. bad. And yeah, just one of those things like the two of us just talked all the way up and mm-hmm. as hard as it was, it was kind of one of those really good moments for us just to kind of like talk more about it and get excited. And by the time we got up to the mountains, it was like, okay, we're psyched. Let's have a great vacation. And we're going to go into this third round super pumped. Yeah, I, I, I remember feeling the same. 
So come back from Big Bear. I think it was literally like two days later, the third IUI. Mm -hmm. And for the third IUI, it was basically the same as the second. We did two IUIs, two days in a row. Right. I did the samples at home. So now we're at what? Number six, number seven for the (laughs) samples I had to give. Trigger shot. Yeah, trigger shot. Almost like identical to the second one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yep. And we, again, just had to wait those two weeks. And these two weeks felt even longer. And I remember driving up to Ventura. It was like a Friday night Mm -hmm. and we're on the freeway. It was getting pretty late. We were expecting a phone call, you know, a little earlier and we were starting to panic. Like, are we going to hear today? Yeah. And she's on speakerphone. We're in the car and she told us it did not work again for the third time. Right. And the drive to Ventura is not too far. It's kind of a long drive, but that was an extremely long drive. Because yeah. And I think I remember that's kind of the point where I was like, all right, like I, I kind of hit that point where I broke down a little bit, I think, yeah. because... Uh, you know, A, it didn't work. And hearing that again uh, was really, really crappy. But then I think I was so scared to to go down that road of like, all right, like our only next option is going into IVF. And I know how much more involved and taxing and expensive that is. And it just was scary and I was angry and uh, yeah, I think I just kind of felt all the emotions like at that point. Like that was the point where I was just like, fuck, you know? Yeah. Seeing you go through that three times, put your body through that and the HSG test, like all these things where you're just so uncomfortable. Like it's hard being the the cause for us having to do all this. So that's just, things just kept piling up. And yeah, I was right there with you. It was, it was heartbreaking. So... Again, we have to regroup with Dr. Hatch and, you know, we go into this just not sure. We just... Yeah, it's just unknown. Like, it's such an unknown thing. Like, that's like, what does IVF mean? Like, what, you know what I mean? Like, we, you know, you can read things on the internet, but like, you know, it's it's very specific to like our issue, I guess, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and like you said, like we, we read stuff about it. Mm-hmm. I knew that shots were involved, but we didn't know the process. Yeah. We didn't know and the details, the, right? The dirty, gritty <laughs> yeah. details that just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we learned a lot in that meeting. Totally. And we ultimately decided with Dr. Hatch that we're going to move forward with IVF. We're going to just kind of take the rest of the year because we're coming into the holidays. Yeah, yeah. We just, we really needed to kind of get ourselves to a better place. And I remember we were like, you know what? That makes all the sense in the world because we're about to enter a new decade. It's going to be 2020, start of a new year. Like, let's just, let's start fresh. Let's get regrouped and let's just, let's enter 2020 and let's just fucking kill it, right? Right. I mean, what could go wrong? We just wanted to take the time to thank everyone again so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, The feedback, the responses, everything has been super positive and just very inspiring to both Crystal and myself. So again, thank you everyone so much. Also, uh, don't forget to check out our website. It's ivfpodcast.com. 
you can listen to our episodes directly from there, or you can subscribe to uh, whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Also, we have our email address. It's ivfpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, feel free to shoot us a note. And uh, again, thanks for listening.